0: Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 179.
1: No matter how afraid I was of not succeeding, I had to go and try.
2: Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Moonheight. Hi there. It's Sue, and I am thrilled that you are
0: spending a little bit of your day with me today. Can I ask you for a quick favor? Could you go over to iTunes and leave a quick rating and review for the show? Doing this gives more visibility, which allows more people to find the podcast. We're all givers here, and we all love paying it forward. So that minute that it would take for you to do that for me would be so greatly appreciated. Not just by me, but by the new listeners that can come into the show. That was my first question, and now I have another question for you. Do you know somebody, or have you been in a situation in your life where you know you're meant to do something else. You've been educated one way, the direction and the talk within your family has always been that you're gonna be doing this one certain thing, but deep in your heart, you just knew it didn't feel quite like a fit. That is what was going on with Lisa, my guest today. She just knew that there was something else, something more meaningful that she wanted to do with her life versus the direction she was currently going. So she took some bold moves and boy she is so happy she did. Why don't I let you hear the story directly from her? It is my pleasure to introduce you to Lisa Wojack of Black Bow Sweets. Lisa graduated from UC Santa Barbara in 2005 with a degree in English but there was a problem. Her passion was for art and design. Unsure what career to pursue Lisa made what she considers to be the best decision of her life. She applied to a design school in San Francisco and dropped everything to attend. Pretty brave if you ask me. She earned a degree in visual communications and for the following nine years worked as a visual merchandiser. Although Lisa loved her work, she wanted to start a business of her own. It was at this point she seriously entertained an idea that she had in her late 20s and that was selling her mother's candied pecans. The inspiration came after she made the candied nuts for a friend who raved about them and encouraged her to start a business. So finally, at 32, she was ready. Black Sweets is now three years old and growing rapidly with an expanded product line and distribution across the U.S. I cannot wait for all of us to hear the story. Lisa, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Sue. I'm very happy to be here. Like I said, cannot wait to get into all these (laughs) juicy, or should I say sweet details? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I love that. So I want to kick it off as we always do, and that is by having you describe yourself in a really creative, different way through a motivational candle. So if you were to share with us a candle that totally resonates you by color and by a motivational quote, what would your candle look like?
1: I really loved coming up with this, and I really want this candle for myself now. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to dream it into existence (laughs) somehow. But this candle is like a multicolor, kind of multitasking candle. So I'm envisioning this beautiful gold metal pillar with like a honeycomb of sections inside. And then each section has a different color and scent for those times and those like motivation and the... Energy that you need throughout the week. So, like, there would be a beautiful, tranquil blue with an ocean breeze scent for when you need to relax, a fiery red orange with a citrus scent for when you need energy and you need to get going for the day, probably a section with like a clean cotton scent for when you need to organize, do your to do list. <laughs> so, I'm just envisioning this multitasking candle of all the things that I feel like I need throughout the day and throughout the week to get going. Which is so real life as a business owner anyway, right? (laughs) It really is. (laughs) And then the quote on the front, it says, anchor and adjust. Oh, interesting. Talk about that. So that is a saying that I learned many years ago, but I don't think that I fully understood it until I started my own business. But to me, it's like when you're charting your course for where you want to go, you start at point A and you're trying to get to Z. And you have this sort of straight line with these points and milestones you need to hit along the way to get there. But when you do a top-down view and you check it out, you're actually probably going to have a zigzag pattern of how you actually get to your final destination. Because your course, at least in my experience, never looks like how you plan it to be. You might eventually get to that vision that you had, but the journey never quite looks like what you thought it would. And so you have to anchor yourself and then look around, think about, okay, I'm a little bit off course. So let me drop my anchor. Let me take a minute. Let me observe what's happening, adjust my priorities, my timelines, my expectations, and then go forward. And you'll do that many times. I do that daily. I do that monthly. I do that for big picture things. But it really helps me get through and not be overwhelmed by the fact that I'm not on the exact journey that I thought it would be. Well, you
0: certainly aren't (laughs) from the intro, for sure.
1: But I would also say that that's
0: a sign of a successful business person, too. I like the anchoring because that is a level of stability. But the adjusting means that you're ready to switch when you see something's not working, you need to make a change or an opportunity presents itself, Mm -hmm. any of that.
1: Yeah, you get very used to and comfortable with change, which is very helpful.
0: Yeah, I've met a lot of business owners who are so rigid and unwielding, I guess that's the same word, but (laughs) like they're going to fight no matter what to make something work when an easier path would be just to acknowledge that something needs to change. And if they make that change, sales will be so much easier, business will be so much easier. I agree. All right. So I think you are super brave, Lisa, because there's a couple of points just even in this intro where those were some scary changes and people were probably approaching you and saying, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you
1: thinking? (laughs) Mostly a lot of that came from myself in the beginning. Oh, interesting. I was asking myself, what are you doing? (laughs) But you still did it. So talk about that a little bit. When I say that going to design school in San Francisco was the best decision I ever made, I was coming off of my early 20s where I actually had a severe anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety and shyness growing up, but it really got to kind of a critical point when I was in my early 20s. And I was to the point where I wouldn't go to somebody's house for fear of knocking on the wrong door, like if I had never been there before. And so to sort of like work through that in the end of my senior year of college and then sort of be in this comfortable space in Santa Barbara and sort of like I had a good job, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so for me to pick up everything and just move to San Francisco and have no idea if I'm going to be any good in art school or design school and just take that chance was a pretty incredible feat for myself at the time. But It was the single best thing I've ever done because it has put me on the path to where I am today. I would not be here if I had not gone to that school.
0: Well, and without freaking you out, can I just point out (laughs) that we're on a
1: podcast (laughs) listened to
0: by the whole world?
1: (laughs) I'm telling everybody about my anxiety. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And afraid to talk to people and all that. I love that because I guarantee you there are people listening who feel the same way and who just even listening to you, picking up and going somewhere different and discovering and having to deal with it. What did you say in your mind? How did you make yourself actually do it? What advice would you give someone who's listening who's saying, "Uh, yeah, she could do it, not me?
1: I think it's this like very sort of visceral gut reaction. I just knew that there was nothing else that I wanted to do. When I read the descriptions of the courses, When I read about the degrees and what kind of jobs you could go into and the careers you could go into afterwards, everything felt so right. And like, I only wanted that. And no matter how afraid I was that maybe I wouldn't be good enough, or maybe I wouldn't graduate and get a great job or whatever those fears might have been, it just felt like it was the right time and the right thing to do. And no matter how afraid I was of not succeeding, I had to go and try.
0: Yeah, because you had your eye on that goal and you wanted that goal to be for your life so much that you just were willing to do whatever you needed to do. Yes, exactly. Got it. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you follow him at all, talks about regret. And he says the saddest thing in life is if you see older people who don't have as many years left, right? I'm talking like 90 years, like assisted living facility people and they regret that they didn't do something that was really in their heart
1: that they wish they would have tried. I cannot agree with that more. That is one of the things that I hope I never have are regrets. Right. And better to try something and have
0: it not work. And to your point about adjusting, to adjust and see how it could possibly work, than never to try at all. Right? Right. So I think that is such an important message to your story. And I'm so glad we started with that. So here you are doing well, right? Because you ended up making your way up to being a corporate visual merchandising manager. Yes. So you're moving up the ladder. How was it then that you decided, okay, I'm loving what I'm doing, but I'm making a change?
1: So I loved my work. What I love about my work is that I still get to do sort of merchandising and design in my business now. So I didn't feel like I would give up all of my skill set and everything that I had already learned and loved to do by starting a business. But what made me really want to make the change was two things. One, I really wanted to be able to control my own time. And that has been an important goal for me for years But I wasn't quite sure how to do it. But I realized that working for somebody else, I would never actually get there. Because I work really hard, and I'm sure a lot of people do. You can only work so hard for somebody else without getting sort of stuck or trampled on. Or resentful. Or resentful, yes. And that is, I think, one of the worst things that can happen at a job, because then you really start to hate what you're doing. Right. And that's such a big part of your life is your job. Yeah, for sure. So I got to a point where I was about 80% loving my job, love my team, love the collaboration, the creativity, and the creation of building a brand vision. I loved all of that stuff. But there was 20% of it that was corporate politics that I was very green to I had never experienced them before. I was very naive to them. I thought that a company in Santa Barbara where the CEO wears flip-flops. Like, of course, everything is super cool. And there's none of that underlying kind of tension that you kind of hear about. But it turns out it happens everywhere. And I wasn't really keen on it. I didn't sit well with me. I wasn't very good at playing the game. I just wanted to work, 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 work so hard. And that is going to get me where I want to go. But there's a lot of other factors that play into it that I got really tired of really quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, how am I going to be able to get out of this and have a life that I really, really want? And that's when the idea for the business like I'd had before, I had a lot of encouragement to start it, but I'd always been too afraid, just not emotionally or financially ready to do it. But I finally got to a tipping point where I was like, okay, we just got to try it and see if it works, because this could be my exit strategy from this corporate life.
0: Yeah, I love this because I talk a lot. There are people who want to start a business and don't know what could possibly be, like they're searching for the idea. And having done this show for quite a bit now, we're on 170 some episodes, right around the 75% point mark, I started seeing that there was commonality, like different reasons why people would start businesses. And I actually broke them into three versions. And that I talk about in episode 100. And that's not the point for it here. I'll connect that episode in the show notes but you fall into the very first one and that is what did you like to do as a child or what did you enjoy and your mother's candied pecans, right? Yep. So it continues to prove the point that that's a great place for people if they really enjoyed something as a child to think about that and see if there's some type of business that could be wrapped around with that. And it sounds like for you, Lisa, you had that in the back of your mind for years.
1: I did. And I think another great, Point to bring up is that, like, for me, it felt like a complete 100% career change going from a visual merchandiser to essentially a baker. But I use all of the skill set and all of the planning tools and all of the things that I and like brand building platforms that I used at my corporate job, I use them in my business now. So it's not like I had to abandon everything I knew to start something completely over. It's just like I got to shift all of my skills over and apply it to something that I love to do. So it was a building versus complete abandonment of one thing and a complete start over of something new.
0: Would you say then that the experience that you had in your corporate world helped you advance faster when you started your own business? Absolutely. Interesting. Okay, so let me take you back to this time. You have the idea, you're deciding, and it sounds like you started to build it up on the side before you quit your job. Yes. Okay, what were you doing at that point? And I'm thinking about this as an example for somebody who might be in a similar situation right now. They can learn a little bit from you on how you did it. So you're still working, but what were the first things that you started doing for building your own business?
1: The very, very first thing I did is when I was starting to get very frustrated with my job and my personal life, I felt like I was losing control of a lot of my external factors. I felt like a lot of things were keeping me down, and I didn't know how to take control of them. So I decided to enter this candied pecan recipe into the Santa Barbara Fair and Expo, and they have a a food competition there. And so I entered an amateur division, and I just wanted to see a reaction of people who didn't know me, hadn't had the pecans before, and see if they were a hit or not. And so this was sort of my first step in trying to test the market in kind of a small way. And so I made some packaging that I had already designed. I'd put labels on boxes. I did a beautiful display I made the pecans, and I put them into the competition, and they ended up winning first place in my category. Wow, congratulations. (laughs) That's a statement. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was such validation, and it gave me such a boost of confidence to go and say, hey, this might be something I can do. But even then, it still took me a couple of months (laughs) to really say, okay, I'm going to do this, because it gave me a little bit of a high... But then I got to that point where I'm like, well, I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. And so what I started to do was just research all the things that you need for a business, like permits, health permits. I looked into cottage food laws versus getting a processed food registration, which means you can sell across the U.S. You can ship things. You can sell outside your county. Like there's a whole all these different food regulations I had no idea about. So I spent hours and hours and hours on Google, (laughs) looking at all the different things that I might need to start a business and then started to compile a list and decided what was most important and then just started checking them off one by one because it was very overwhelming in the beginning. It's so much information and I had no idea how to do any of it. And so it was daunting And it made me be like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting into these waters. I have no idea what I'm doing. Is this really scary? And can I really do this? And do you really want to? And do I really want to? Yeah. Yeah, because you were diving into,
0: okay, what is the reality? Having a business and doing that and everyone loving my pecans is one thing, but wrapping a business around it that you want to sustain that you don't want just to be available for a couple months, right, is a whole different story. So I think it's awesome. And two months isn't that long, really. But to dive in, and I bet at that time, if you can put yourself back there, it was overwhelming, but I'm thinking a little bit energizing and exciting, too. Oh, my I
1: slept maybe three hours each night for like six months, because (laughs) I would go to work during the day, and I would come home, I would eat dinner, work out, And then from 8 p.m. to 3 a.m., that was my time to work on Black Bow Suites. But I was so excited about it. I didn't notice or miss the sleep. I didn't feel drained. I didn't feel like I was deteriorating in any way because it was super exciting. And once I have a goal... It's very hard to stop me from reaching it. No matter what emotional or physical pain I might put myself through, (laughs) I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And I was really, really into it. And the more I got into it, the more exciting it was because I was learning so much too. And I love to learn.
0: Oh, I love this story. So how long were you then in research prep mode? And then I think you said a couple months. Mm -hmm. What happened after that?
1: So I incorporated on August 1st and then that's sort of when all the research went into finding a commercial kitchen, figuring out how to get my health permits from the state, working through how to do nutrition logos that are FDA compliance, working through all the laws about food safety handling and all these things. So I would say that I did about a month of research. I got into a commercial kitchen in September I practiced a lot and perfected the recipe, making it in big batches and in a commercial oven versus a home oven. Then I started the branding process and packaging process, which was fairly quick for me because I do have a design background. And so creating the logo and packaging was really, really fun. And that part went the most quick for me. So I was up and selling by the end of November. I had a website. I was fully licensed. (laughs) When was that fair that you did? The fair was in April of that year. April, so eight months. So April to August, yep. April to August was like, am I really gonna do this? Maybe I'll talk to some people, get their feedback. And then August was just like, let's hit the ground running.
0: But you did a lot of work before you actually opened. Oh yeah. Which I think it's the right way to go. Making sure you've set it up properly, you've tested. And of course, yours is a little different, because it's a consumable. So you're going to have to make the batches bigger. Why did you decide to go into a commercial kitchen right away?
1: So I had actually looked into the cottage food industry when I was living in San Francisco. And because I moved down to Santa Barbara, about four years ago, and so about one year before I started the business. And so when I had thought about the business in my early 20s, I looked into cottage food. But there are so many restrictions, there's, Restrictions on where you can sell it, how you can sell it, um, how much revenue you can make in a year. And so it's really good for people who want to sell at farmers markets and local fairs. Like if you have a great recipe and you want to do something on the side and not have it be maybe your main income source, that is perfect for those people. But since I wanted it to be a business that could span the entire country, have an online store. Ship via all the carriers, all that stuff, I needed to have a state mandated health permit. Got it. So that's why I went there.
0: Okay, and I know that that does vary by state. Yes. But I like what you're saying because it speaks to the point of what are you trying to build? And so you already knew that you were skipping that initial level, which isn't a bad stage for a lot of people. No, not at all. The cottage industry is a great place to start, depending on where you are in your journey and what you're trying to do right away. Yes. That makes total sense. At this point in the story, Lisa is all set up. Now it's time to get customers. We're going to hear what she did next, right after a word from our sponsor.
2: This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of The Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information.
0: Okay, you're at the point. You've gotten all of this done. Your packaging is on point. You've got your name. You've got your product. You've figured out how you're going to make it in big batches. So now it's time to
1: get the word out. What do you do? So I went to social media, which I'm still working on becoming great at. I think it's a, a continual <laughs> process. Yes. Because <laughs> it's always it's, changing. It's always changing. I know. Once you <laughs> land it and something's working, they're going to change it on you. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I also, I relied so heavily on my friends and family to get the word out. I mean, I told everybody, I was like, look, I'm doing this. I brought samples to work. I just talked about it a lot. And I really got my friends and family to spread the word, because they were super supportive of what I was doing. And then I started to work out my brand image and what it looked like online, which took still, I mean, I feel like last year, I finally kind of got where I wanted it to be. But it took a long time. I started figuring out what people might want, other than me telling them they should buy these candied nuts. So I had my sister help me start making different recipes, ideas of how to use them. And so I'm trying to educate people and give them a broader spectrum of the brand and what we're doing.
0: So how to use them, meaning
1: incorporating them into other things or? yeah, How to use them in salads, oatmeal, ice cream. We've made different meat rubs with them we put them on chicken wings on broiled grapefruit like no all these way. different. <laughs> we have a whole blog of amazing recipes and my sister is a fantastic cook and so she has just been a lifesaver in helping me do all these creative things with the nuts and give people a little bit more inspiration of how they can be used every day oh my gosh Because they look very gifting, the packaging. And so gifting was an easy avenue to sell people on. But it's also like, hey, look at all these things you can do on the daily with them
0: right so all right so we're going to get to that at the end we want to make sure to tell everybody how they can go obviously and see your products but also the blog so we're going to remember to do that okay but if i don't ask this now i'm going to forget <laughs> when you think of your initial sales not asking you for details of numbers or anything but if you were to look at like a curve on a chart how long did it take to start building that business and then getting to a point
1: where you were feeling good about where you were at I would say that it is a very slight incline over the last couple of years, and it has taken a steep upturn in the last four or five months.
0: So it takes, I would say, a couple of years to really get traction. From what you're seeing with your business, obviously everyone's different.
1: Yeah, everything's different. Everyone's life experiences are different along the way, but It has taken me this long to sort of get that boulder up the hill. Is
0: there something that you did that really started moving the needle?
1: So the thing that actually has been the most beneficial is getting out into community events and doing a lot of nonprofit events. So Santa Barbara has a great community of people and they do all kinds of foundations and events to support those foundations There's also a lot of wine festivals in this area, which is a really good customer of mine, people who like to pair wine and food. And so I started going to every event that I could find in Santa Barbara that supported the community in some way and just did samples. Sometimes you can sell stuff there, but mostly it's just getting out and knowing people. And now when I go, I have, I'd say at least... 10 to 15% of the people come up and say, Oh my gosh, I've had you here. I've had you here. I remember you from there. And so getting out and having people be introduced to you and to your brand via you, who loves it the most and knows the most about it. You're the one that can get people excited about it and on board Um, much easier for me anyways, than doing it via like an online platform.
0: That's a really good point because you still are the brand. You're the one behind the vision of your business. And that personality adds to the product. Even though the product's delicious, it's another layer that people can talk about. The other thing I think that's really important now is a lot of people want to support community brands. Yes. So, and I know Santa Barbara overall is very into, and there's a lot of great things that are made there and sourced there. But I think for all of us in our different communities to make sure to get the word out that it's made right in your location will help
1: jumpstart sales. Absolutely. And it also gives you a boost because people are reacting positively to you. And especially as me as like a single person that works on this business, you can get into your own little silo and it can be sort of lonely and you can start to question yourself a lot. But when you get out into the community and you're getting positive feedback and good interaction it also boosts you up and gives you more momentum to keep going.
0: Absolutely. So you have expanded the product line, but now you're also getting distribution across America, right? Correct. How did that happen?
1: So the biggest thing actually that we just went to where I met you at the National Gift Basket Convention, Mm -hmm. and that's actually been the best and most quick uptick of national clients that I've gotten in like one weekend, which is amazing. So now we're actually in gift basket producers in New York, Florida, Chicago, Arizona, but just going and being in a concentrated place where people are in your same community. They're all looking to do the same thing and you have a really great product and build good relationships. That is the, one of the biggest things that I've done most recently that has gotten us into a national scale.
0: That's exciting. Your product is perfect for that genre, the gift basket industry.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So that works really well. That industry is always interested in bringing something new to market, especially for corporate clients, because you don't want to be presenting the same thing over and over again, nor for this industry now, and I obviously know it very well. But Also, you don't want things that are going to be seen in your local Whole Foods or Michaels. So you want something special, unique, and high quality. And we're talking about, I'm going to say, not the national gift basket people, but the larger indie type people. And make no mistake, these folks are putting out hundreds of baskets, possibly even a week. So it's not like a onesie-twosie type thing either. So it's interesting that that's how you're starting. And you're still a new company. You're still young and growing. But it's interesting how you've elected to start focusing on that national growth by really driving in on an industry that fits your product and an industry that has a need.
1: Well, I feel very fortunate to have had some less successful runs early on, like the first year in business, because I was really trying to go the retail grocery route. and. It was good at holiday time, but after that, like really people don't shop the aisles for a special tea candied nut. And so they didn't move, and we really had stagnant growth for this time period. And so then I was like, okay, let's go back to what did I used to make these for? And when I was younger, I used to make them for holiday gifts. And so what avenues can I reach a lot of people, not just on my website, not trying to just reach one person at a time, but what kind of industries do gifting? And that just led straight to gift baskets, corporate gifts, hotels. And so those are the three things that I have been focusing on for the last year and a half and has really paid off.
0: Love it. And I love that it's industry specific. You've really made yourself a strategy. And you're working your strategy, you're working your plan now. Yes. So you're getting customers. You now want to make sure that you're keeping your customers that you're getting. So do you have something in place to help with that?
1: Yeah. So I actually, this is one thing that I draw on from my corporate experience, but I used to work with a lot of vendors who would supply us with props and various things. And the ones that I appreciated the most were the ones that made my life so much easier. (laughs) And so I try to do that for everybody else because I'm now serving the CEOs and the presidents of these gifting companies and these hotels. And so how do I make their life easier? And so I try to make sure that I'm over communicative. So to make sure that they know when things are arriving, how it's arriving, check in with them to make sure that they're happy with everything everything's on time. I want everything to be as seamless as possible. So I'm giving the best customer service. And then I also write thank you notes at the end of the year to every customer that I have. Like a real live note on paper that goes in the mail? Yep. Wow. <laughs> With a stamp and everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. It's a crazy, right? That's one of the things that my parents really instilled of when I was a kid. Like we always wrote thank you notes and I'm so grateful for it now because I am so grateful to anybody who buys on our website, anybody who buys from us on a wholesale level. So I write thank you notes to hundreds of people at the end of the year and it takes a lot of days and some hand cramps, but I will do it as long as I possibly can because I am just so thankful and I want people to know that they are helping grow a small business and this small business like really really appreciates them
0: I love that. I mean, I don't know overall when you get to be huge that that's gonna be sustainable. I agree. (laughs) But that doesn't matter because as you're starting and you're growing, there'll be certain things that you do. And then when you get to another level, you might employ the same type of result, but it just in a different way, right? Yeah. I mean, I talk a lot about with people now, what got you to a certain level of success, just doing more and more and more of that doesn't necessarily get you to the next level you change over time as the phases of your business continue. Yes. But it's that idea when someone gets that message from you, however it's delivered and says, man, Lisa really thought about this and took the extra effort to show that she appreciated my business. That's important.
1: Yeah, and I hope that that is the feeling that they get because that is the feeling that I have for everybody who has supported us along the way. Every single box of nuts helps us get to the next level. And I wouldn't be here without our customers. So they are king, as they say. So there's no (laughs)
0: wonder that people love you when they meet you in person, because you're so authentic. You're so friendly. You're so genuine. Oh, thank you. You're really easygoing. And I know that because I just met you a couple weeks ago. Thank you so much. Well, it's true. (laughs) And that's to the point of just putting yourself out there, even if it's like a little bit nerve wracking or whatever. Yes. All right. So you talk about being a one-woman show, although I know you're not totally because you do have some extra support. You were talking already with your sister and... I don't know, who were you with at the show?
1: My dad came with me to the show. I thought that was your dad. (laughs)
0: But that's great because you need extra hands, you need support, and that's fabulous. Yeah. So during the day when you're working, is there some type of an app or something that you're using that helps you keep everything organized? You were talking earlier about when you were doing research, how you were making lists and all that. So I'm guessing you have some pretty good advice for us here.
1: So I have two things that I love and use every single day. One that I started with, it's called the Daily Greatness Journal. And it's actually a hard, like it's a paper journal, but it is chocked full of everything that you need to sort of lay out your plan for your business. And they have ones for your personal life. They have ones for diet and fitness. They have one for business. So they have sort of all these Little niches of these journals. But the one that I got first was the one for business. And it has you start by laying out your overall mission, your vision, sort of just getting all these ideas that are floating around in your head onto paper. So you can sort of let those be and move on to the details. And then it has you list out your one, three, five, and 10 year goals in just like a snapshot. And then it has you dive down to your one year goal. And it keeps you accountable by the day, the week, the quarter and the year as you go through the journal. And that is like has been a lifesaver for me.
0: Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> will you share with me? Not now. But will you send me the link to where you got that? And I'll attach that into the show notes for everybody? Yes, absolutely. Super. Okay. And what, what's the second one?
1: So the second one is actually, it's an app. It's online. It's called Evernote. And I don't know, it's been around for a long time, but I recently rediscovered it and has really boosted all of its capabilities. But I basically, I sort of replicate some of the things from the Daily Greatness Journal into an online form so I can check things off because it syncs between my desktop and my phone. And so... You know, when you're on the run, on the go, you can be updating your notes and it syncs for you. And so I use that to make lists for every event that I go to, for all my quarterly events, my daily tasks, and it just keeps everything in one place. I can attach PDFs and online pages and all kinds of things and it just comes to one space. And that is where I keep my second brain in the Evernote. Awesome. Evernote,
0: I know, can be challenging for some people and then other people are completely dedicated to it. I'm the dedicated. (laughs) I love that. I actually interviewed Steve Dotto and we did a whole episode on Evernote. Oh, I have to listen to that that was a couple like i'd say almost two years back now i mean it was way in the beginning so i know evernote has evolved but if anybody's interested hearing different things you can do with evernote i mean the guts and the base is the same i will also reference that show in the show notes because that was a goodie and steve dotto if you ever want to know anything about anything he has the videos for you oh awesome yeah it's called dotto tech on youtube and he's awesome
1: Fantastic. I'm going to look him up.
0: Yeah, for sure. He's a crazy guy. (laughs) So much fun. What is one of your sources that helps you stay current in your industry or for business development?
1: So actually, one of my very favorite things to do is listen to different podcasts. And I got really into it when I was first starting the business because I was up so late and I needed some sort of music or some kind of inspiration. And I found a podcast called Startup. And the first season talked about them starting up this podcast. And then they have since done seasons of other companies who were starting up. And that was really the one thing that kept me connected to other people doing the same thing that I was doing. Because I live alone, and I was working on this business alone, and I didn't have anybody else like sort of immediate community that was starting a business. And I felt a lot of the times like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is really hard. Half the time, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. But then you listen to these podcasts, and everybody feels the exact same way. You don't feel like you're the only one struggling and questioning all of your choices. (laughs) and Like wondering if this is really something you should be doing. And you go through these troughs of sort of, I think they called it the trough of despair on this, but there are some days when you just get so bogged down by things that you really start to question everything you're doing. And usually the next day you're fine, but it's super normal for everybody to go through these kind of peaks and valleys. And just learning small things like that really helped me get through the beginning stages where I was still questioning a lot of what I was doing.
0: Yeah, I think questioning all the way around still happens, no matter what level of success that you get to. So Startup Podcast was one. Any other podcasts that you listen to regularly you want to
1: share? So I started listening to The Pitch, which is people pitching brands and the companies. And that's very interesting because you get to hear a lot of questions that VCs ask them. And it really helped me think about things that I do in my business and how would I answer questions to those VCs and what should I be doing to think about these things. So I think I'm in that category of people that I don't necessarily listen to stuff super specific to the food industry, but I listen to growing companies, questions that people will ask them and about where they're going and how they're going to get there and how much does it cost to get there and those kinds of things that you can easily push aside and just pretend aren't there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that helps me be like, oh, hey, you really have to be accountable to yourself and for the growth of your business. Those are the two that I really like. And I think the other thing,
0: and that's what we try and accomplish here too, is to show that it looks like it's such a scary thing out there. It's so much, and it's almost magical. Like how does all of this happen where you can actually start a business, right? But when Mm -hmm. you break it down into the individual steps, yes, it takes work. Yes, it can be scary. You need to be brave, which you're a great model, right? But people can do it. And I think people are realizing that if they just start and take steps, and individually, each step doesn't look insurmountable. It's the whole picture that looks insurmountable.
1: Yes. And more often, you're not the first person who's done the very same thing that you're trying to do. So it's not impossible. You might be creating something that doesn't exist, and that might be a little bit more of a daunting task. But if you're starting a food business or if you're starting a gifting business, they've already been done. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it is possible. You just have to take the steps to figure out how. And the best part is that when you do it and you know how to do it, it's not scary at all. And your confidence just builds and builds and builds because you're like, wow, look where I started. I knew nothing. And now I've got this entire platform of things to build my business upon.
0: That's Fabulous and totally motivational to people. So, I love that you talked about that. So, Lisa, you've given us so much here today in terms of really some great insight. You've been very honest with your journey. It's an exciting one, that's for sure. (laughs) I love what you're doing here. And so, now I want to offer you a virtual gift it's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So, this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence.
1: What is inside your box? Well, first of all, thank you very much for this gift. Inside this box is actually all the intangible things that I strive for, but are sometimes hard to find a path to. So it's a happy and peaceful mind. It's openness to new people, places and experiences, a charitable spirit, a thirst for knowledge, the strength to overcome challenges and the excitement to take them on. And I think going through life and creating things like creating businesses, relationships, a family, those are the things that will lead to this and result all the things inside of this box. But at the end of the day, and that sort of like what we're talking about at the end of your life, when you have no regrets, these are the things that I would like to have.
0: I so love this. First of all, it's a list, so uh, I I noticed that right away. I noticed that right away. The thing I really liked about it, besides the good feelings and all of that, is it didn't really have anything to do with the business. Your business is a means to the end right? It's a means to creating all of this for yourself and for others. And I think so often we get lost in the success of our business and connect it to the success of us as a person. And what you're talking about here are all things that are so much more
1: meaningful than that. Kind of gives me chills over here. Oh, (laughs) I think my business gives me all of these things But there's also so much more in my life that also does that. But at the end of the day, I want to look back and feel that I have achieved sort of these intangibles versus something that I can, like, point to and say, look at that thing. I want these emotions and these feelings and this sort of peacefulness.
0: Love that. But we do want to talk about the product because I think some people might be interested in seeing more of it. So where would you direct someone if you were just to give one place for someone to go to see more about what you're about? Where would that
1: be? I would say the best place would be to check out my website, blackbowsweets.com. There you'll get a background of the company and a little bit of background about me, but you'll also be able to see our whole product line and There are links to our Instagram feed so you can kind of see what we're doing on the daily. And then there is also that wonderful blog that we talked about where you can get all kinds of recipe inspiration, gifting inspiration, Father's Day, Mother's Day, different things to do with all of our candied nuts.
0: Perfect. And yet another best practice business example that your website is your home base and everything can be connected from there. Yes and gift biz listeners you know that there'll be a show notes page where i will have direct links to facebook instagram all of those different places and links to the resources that lisa's been mentioning etc all right lisa i so appreciate your taking the time to get on and share your whole story with us i know for a fact that our listeners will get so much
1: out of this thank
2: you once again for being here thank you so much
1: i had a wonderful time
2: Are you discouraged because your business is not performing as you had envisioned? Are you stuck and confused about how to turn things around? Sue's new best-selling book is structured to help you identify where the holes are in your business and show you exactly how to fix them. You'll learn from Sue and owners just like you who are seeing real growth and are living their dream. Maker to master, find and fix what's not working in your small business. Get it on Amazon or through www.giftbizunwrapped.com slash master.